Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. I work with lots of couples. It's a primary part of my practice. And so if one of the people in the couple has been through significant trauma in their story, it's important for their spouse to just understand that when their spouse who's been through the trauma is triggered by something, that's not a step back. <laughs> but I get to walk alongside. That is Todd Mulliken, author, professor, and counselor, as he talks about the state of trauma and mental health in our society and in our churches. The name of this program is Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. All we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. This is Life Support, hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. My name is Steve Johnson, director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program, And our goal, as always, is to use this story to bring hope and healing. And now let's join the conversation with Pastor Paul. So great to have you on Life Support. What we do here is we tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus through suffering and trauma. And joining us is Todd Mulliken. He's a licensed professional clinical counselor. He's also a prof at Minneapolis College. Todd, thanks a lot for being here. Thanks, Paul, for having me. Appreciate it. Sure is good to see you. We should have all truth be told. Okay. We know each other from way back. We do. We actually played uh, in a band together, and you were a drummer. Correct. I tried to play the bass guitar. (laughs) You were very good. And um, you made something of your life, so congratulations. (laughs) Paul. (laughs) It's so good to have you here. Thanks, Paul. All right. And so we have a lot of things to talk about because... Um, we're in a situation right now that no one ever could have dreamed. We're in the middle of a pandemic, maybe on the back end now. Mm. But I wonder sometimes what that's going to be like. So mm-hmm. maybe from your perspective as a counselor and with your own practice, mm-hmm. what kind of toll have you seen this pandemic take mm. on families and especially mm. kids, I think, because I'm most worried about my 14-year-old sons. Mm. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. Yeah, well, Golly, just statistics internationally, Paul, show that uh, one in five, before the pandemic, one in five people uh, had a lifetime prevalence of major depressive disorder. It's the most common way depression expresses itself through episodes. And uh, since the pandemic, it's moved from one in five to one in four, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a lot of people. And anxiety disorders are off just over the top right now. So I think the the chronic nature of the stress is just really taking a toll on folks uh, within the home, outside of the home. And, you know, it's one thing to kind of buckle down for a couple of months and we can kind of work through it, but it's another thing to feel like we've been doing it for years. We haven't, but it sure feels like that. So I think with the, the students I see, Paul, there's just a lot of apathy and fatigue, uh, obviously a lack of connectiveness and uh, you know, the extroverts out there, it's really hard to re-energize and connect. The introverts are retooling and introspecting and reflecting, but still they, they desire deep connection too. And so it's been, there's a lot of grief, a lot of loss due to the pandemic. So people are finding their ways, right, to be creative and find ways to ignite their faith and come towards each other. But it's tricky. It's hard. Yeah. So in a church world where we're not really structured to deal with this kind of thing anyway, mm. um, how does the church deal with this, and what toll do you think this has taken on church members who don't like to talk about mental health to start with? 
Boy, so great. Great point. Uh, you know, I find myself saying things like, how do we walk alongside people versus taking things on? Uh, how do we be empathetic towards others in Christ versus being codependent on the reaction? So I think the church, uh, we get to walk alongside people during this time and listen. You know, I think, I think one of the things I see quite a bit of, Paul, is people having a lot of answers but not a lot of people listening. Mm-hmm. You know, James says, what, quick to listen. So I think uh, the church, you and I, in our in our lives are more at our best if we're, we're just listening more and walking alongside, not as much having answers on the specifics of whatever societal issue we're talking about, but really uh, not being passive or wishy-washy, but just really intent on listening and uh, understanding where people are at. Yeah, when it comes to mental illness or just a struggle in that area, there's not really fixing to be done, right? I mean, there's healing, maybe, Mm -hmm. but it's easy to want to fix someone because it doesn't necessarily fit into my comfort zone, or maybe there's a a lot of investment there. Mm. And so listening is actually hard work, right? It is. You're so right. I think, you know, and of course, as, as us men, you know, in our marriages, we feel like we're supposed to listen to our spouses, right? Well, after I'm done listening, I just want to kind of then say more and fix it. No, stop talking, Todd. Right, and it's the <laughs> right. same way when we're dealing with mental health issues mm-hmm. too. First of all, are we, you know, do I have a deep understanding of people that battle bipolar disorder or by or you know that battle anxiety disorder or battle like a borderline personality disorder condition, something more chronic? Do I, or am I am I trying to fix that person or am I just trying to understand what they're going through and what their battle is? So I do think listening and not having answers is huge because we, you know, in the church we just want to do that. We want to we want people to get better. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not. And you said it perfectly earlier. Really, it's it's more about managing the mental health conditions we have versus, you know, finding the right fix overnight. Do you find that um, because of the way the church is constructed, we're we're all about growth. We're all about. Um, you know, um, trying to draw people in, um, pastors are pressured to try to grow their churches, mm. that people are going so fast that they don't really know how to slow down and listen and find the people that really need them. And then when those people disappear, they don't even maybe know they were even there. Yeah, that's, boy, you said a lot right there. <laughs> that's really what happens a lot and no ill intentions, right? Right. The intentions mm-hmm. are good. They're pure. Uh, but, you know, this is nothing new, but really the idea of just slowing down, we're finding, is like a huge thing for almost any mental health condition. The impulsivity of ADHD, the fear of anxiety, the lack of energy with depression. And so when we just slow down and take a breath and watch that those dysregulated moments, or if we don't have a mental illness specifically, but we have other issues... Uh, the idea of slowing down. That's why I love what James says, right? And, you know, he talks about being quick to mm-hmm. listen, slow to speak, yeah. slow to wrath. Mm-hmm. So uh, are you and I putting our, our listening caps on first and coming toward with understanding? Are we listening to understand or are we listening to fix? Are we listening to to validate or are we listening to make sure they do the right thing? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with people that have gone through trauma – uh, severe PTSD issues or very, very mild anxiety, whatever the continuum they're on, they, the last thing they need is an answer or, you know, kind of um, an unintentional patronizing kind of God has a plan for your life or something. You know, they, 
the first thing you need is just to be walked, you know, for us to walk alongside. Yeah, my wife has a a list she kept of, you know, the stupid things people say list. Mm. And again, well-intentioned. Right. But not necessarily helpful. Mm. And because she's not looking for an answer, she's just looking to to for someone to understand and have some empathy for where she is at that moment. Much easier though to throw a, a verse out there or or quote a, you know, quote somebody or give them a book. Mm. Like, you know, mm. you should read this. No, mm-hmm. I'll just put that on the stack over there because I don't have the energy to read that, right? Yeah. So I think that the church, you know, um, would be would be good to take that advice to just listen well. But again, that takes work. And it also, I think, is a, a culture of a church, too, can be developed over a period of time. And maybe a pastor can help do that by simply modeling that, sharing some of his own stuff and, and that kind of thing. Absolutely. I, I find myself saying a lot, are we letting people in to our own vulnerabilities, you know, in, in appropriate ways and appropriate times? But are we coming off... Uh, like we have all of the answers. And I, I do think for those of us, you know, when we're in that situation, it's not easy. So with good intentions, we we think it's better to help the person not feel as bad right now, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's, it's uncomfortable when somebody is in pain versus, golly, uh, when I'm in my own pain, when you're in your own pain, the, the most important thing to do is just know that this person understands and is just listening. And knowing that the Holy Spirit's there to comfort, you know, not to fix. And that's a big... Big difference. Big difference there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that the pandemic has re-traumatized people who were already vulnerable to that Mm. in their lives? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, certainly based on the kind of trauma they had, Paul, where it originated from, where it came from, uh, you know, obviously if somebody had trauma in their upbringing... And, you know, they've now then they created some good boundaries and good spacing in their home with their spouse and with kids kind of feeling better about how space is working. Now we're all on lockdown. You know, we have been. And so that's tricky. And so we've got to learn how to still have good boundaries and know. So the re-triggering, I've always said when a couple like I work with lots of couples, that's the primary part of my practice. And so if one of the people in the couple has been through significant trauma in their story, it's important for their spouse to just understand that when their spouse who's been through the trauma is triggered by something, that's not a step back. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I get to walk alongside. I get to try to understand. So, yeah, I think there's been re-triggering, re-traumatizing of folks because they're feeling more closed in and less autonomy, less flexibility, less, you know, a sense of, oh, here's the different things I get to do today. Well, I have less things to do. And for some people, it really feels like they're trapped. Right. Do you are you concerned about what will happen once we quote unquote come out of this? Because it feels like people have been kind of holding on for dear life for a year, and I just worry a little bit about people here at my church, for example. That wow, like what's it going to be like when they don't have to hold on for dear life anymore? Mm. Like what's going to come out? What kind of emotions have been pent up? Mm. Those types of things. Such a great point, and again, it'll be different for everybody, right? Yeah, but right. for folks that have battled you know, before the pandemic with untreated anxiety, you know, everybody worries, but if it's pretty significant worry, and now they've kind of have realized they have a lot to worry about. A lot of people have died, a lot of worry, a lot of worry, a lot of worry. And now we don't have to worry. Well, I'm still worried. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if I can come out to play, you know, because what if, 
So when I teach on anxiety, I talk a lot about what if thinking versus what is the truth. So people that battle anxiety, we're very vulnerable to being like, well, what if this happens? Or what if, you know, what if I do, you know, get the virus? Or what if, or what if, what if? And so if we're in that house of fear and building lots of rooms, it's hard to get to the house of truth of what is actually true today, right? In, you know, this month and versus where we were, here's the truth of where we are. So I think you're right. I think it'll be uh, really difficult for folks to kind of come out. And then I think you'll see other people that have been pent up for a hundred years like, woo, you know, yeah. overcompensate for, I think you're absolutely right. So I do think it's going to be different for different people based on their hardware and based on their stories. Well, the church is kind of this melting pot of mm-hmm. people. And, you know, as a pastor, I see on one side, I'm not going to wear a mask. I don't mm-hmm. care what you say to me. Right. And then over here, it's, I am not coming to church. If there's anyone there without a mask on, you've lost me. Right. And that's not going to stop just because a mandate is removed. And so just like it always is as a believer, it comes down to trying to understand and loving your neighbor, Mm -hmm. you know, the royal law. Mm. And um, that's not going to end just because a mandate's been taken off. And I think that the thing I get concerned about is, are we going to leave some people in the dust because, hey, we're back to normal now. We can just fire on. And these people are still at home scared. Mm-hmm. And then it's easy to look at them and say, well, you shouldn't be scared. Mm-hmm. That's silly. That's mm-hmm. not logical. Mm-hmm. But anxiety, oh, it's trauma real. is not logical. No, it's real. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I said this a lot, Paul. I don't know how you feel, but I've never, I mean, I've been around forever. <laughs> you haven't, you know, and you're like, you're <laughs> but I, I haven't had a year ever where it's been really hard to have reasonable conversations about a fair amount of really important topics. You know, very binary thinking, and you laid it out perfectly with the COVID stuff. So how are we as Christ followers really trying to thread the needle of truth and grace? Have deep understanding for people that are in deep fear and don't want to leave the house. You know, have understanding for people that, well, I just don't want to do this, and okay, got it. You know, I mean, we're not like we're wishy-washy, but we're trying to understand perspectives and use our critical thinking skills that Jesus had plenty of, <laughs> yeah. you know, versus kind of our dichotomous, we, they, us, them. So when we're on different sides of the street, the best thing I can do is join somebody that I know who I love who's on a different side of the street and really offer them bread emotionally and just listen to where they're at. And I think that's how we can come together more is have more of a forgiveness mindset versus a needing to be right mindset. We'll be back to the conversation with Paul and Todd in just a moment. You know, Pastor Paul is a survivor himself of family trauma, losing a wife and a son. And that's what life support is all about, survivors in discussion with survivors. My name is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, and we are so pleased to be a co-sponsor of this program. For more about our work, log on to www.lifesupportresources.org. And now back to Pastor Paul. Not like we're wishy-washy, but we're trying to understand perspectives and use our critical thinking skills that Jesus had plenty of, yeah. you know, versus kind of our dichotomous, we, they, us, them. So when we're on different sides of the street, the best thing I can do is join somebody that I know who I love who's on a different side of the street and really offer them bread emotionally and just listen to where they're at. And I think that's how we can come together more is have more of a forgiveness mindset versus a needing to be right mindset. Yeah, that's good counsel. I'm talking to Todd Mulligan. He's a 
a licensed professional clinical counselor here in the Minneapolis area. And as we talk about the pandemic, my biggest concern in my family are my kids, mm-hmm. two 14-year-old boys at home, uh, very different. One, social, social, social. One, no social. But they've both been through similar trauma. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned about, yes, we've addressed the health part of this, but I look at leaders and go, but wait a minute, there's a whole other side of my kids mm. that you haven't really addressed. So tell me, as mm. as parents, what do we look for? Mm. How do we help our kids make another transition in their lives? <laughs> like there hasn't been enough already. Correct. <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate how you expressed, you know, uh, the, the differences in your in your two kiddos, you know, because I think one of the gifts we get to have as parent, you know, my book on parenting talks about five C's, you know, one of the C's is being a creative parent where I know the uniqueness of each of my kids and how they are wired, right? So I know with one of my kids, he or she's really expressive and just, you know, the more socialization, the better. And I understand that. And I, so maybe I'm steering that child into their lanes as we, you know, evolve out of the pandemic because I know what's unique and special and important for him or her mm-hmm. and their story for their growth and for their healing and for their kind of coming out of this trauma over time. Uh, and then the other person that's more internal and introspective and reflective and one close friend versus versus 30 acquaintances, how do I understand their story and and give them space to do their life in the way God has made them so they're uh, working through trauma over time is unique to them. So I think it's, especially it's hard, I think, as a parent, if one of the kiddos is naturally really different than I am, right, mm-hmm. how they're wired, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember when we have three daughters, 31, 30, and 28, and, you know, one of them will do 400 things on a weekend like me. Woo! Yeah, the more the better. And my wife falls asleep by the time she's talked about three things that she's done. You know, my, my spouse is more introspective and reflective and does three or four. You know, so when we know how each of our kids is wired I think that's really important. We pray through that. We know, hey, okay, God, this is how you made this child. How am I not getting in the way but steering based on their age, right? So 14 is kind of tricky age, right? They're, you yes. know, they want adult, auton- or adult uh, autonomy and childhood security. Well, <laughs> they want both, right? Yeah. So it's tricky. But uh, I think it's good that we know the uniqueness of each of them and, and pray about that ahead of time before I go into conversations. The other thing that parents are struggling with, I think, even more than ever, is the tech issue. And, mm. you know, not only is it difficult to protect them in that area, but now they're online um, all day if they're doing online school. And yeah. they were for a long time. Yeah. And as a parent, I always feel like I'm behind. <laughs> I'm always trying to catch up. Uh, they're not necessarily going to share their dark secrets with me. Mm-hmm. Um, h- how much can I protect them? Or is is part of that just... I've got to just give them to the Lord. Mm. Yeah, what a great question. I think we have to, one thing I always try to tell myself is, okay, what was I like when I was their age? Take a breath. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. what did I need the most from my parents then? Right? And, you know, so mine are older, so they don't need me. I'm getting more irrelevant. You know, they're old. <laughs> I'm old and they're getting old. So mm-hmm. it's less about me saying, you know, here's what I think you need to be doing. You You're going to more... need them pretty soon. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> of course, yeah, they're, they're telling me my wife to do already what to do. So, But, yeah, I'm listening. So. Uh, I, I love what you're saying because I think at the end of the day, kids don't listen to us a bunch, but they eventually imitate us. So 
what you and I get to do is make sure that the life you and I are living uh, in our in our home is really what, what what we want from our kids. So we show versus tell, and the more we model, the better. So we can let them in about Gala. You know, I'm concerned about the screen time. Here's my battle with that. You know, what do you think, Charlie, about that? And how do we figure this out together? I know I'm still the authority in the home, but healthy leaders kind of create interactions based on the age of the kid, right? So we're for the same thing. We're not for putting them in a bubble, and we're for not having a free-for-all, right? We're trying to thread the needle again. of, But letting them in a little bit of our struggle about the screen time and how do we do what's reasonable, uh, but not make my parenting decision out of the worst-case scenario of what could happen, uh, and also not stick our head in the sand like the permissive parent does. So we're trying to thread the needle there. Yeah, it's hard. It's very hard. And oh, I think sure. the pandemic has taken all of this and kind of shoved it forward. Mm-hmm. And it's created scenarios that I'm not sure any of us were really ready for. Yeah. And I don't think any of us feel very prepared. But one thing I do remind myself of is that uh, God is still walking with us. And even though we don't know what to do, that's almost where God wants us. Like, yeah, well, you know, that's kind of why you should ask me. Yes, right. I'm, 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 I'm here to help you. Yeah. But, boy, you can, turn your, you can tie yourself in knots really quickly when it comes to your kids in this thing. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love what you're talking about with just that dependency. Where is my dependency at, and how am I leaning into that? And that's where my strength is from. And not as a Linus blanket or as some, you know, escape hatch, but to— to receive strength, so I'm integrating that dependency on Jesus into my actual conversations with my kids and walking alongside them like God walks alongside us. How important is it that the parent is connected to Christ to in order to pull this off? Yeah, yeah, it's huge. I think, you know, and again, the connection is more about, in my opinion, more— you know, how am I operating? I have a deep sense of humility and not having all the answers. God's God, I'm not— and I'm bringing that humility, and bring, which is strong. I'm bringing all the Beatitudes into the show right there, big time. I'm doing meekness. Well, you know, that's the big one. I'm, I'm really trying to be meek, which is strength under control. So how am I relying on, on the Holy Spirit, especially the Holy Spirit, for that, for that comfort, for that wisdom, for that spirit of truth? How am I relying on that as I make my decisions into the tough parenting moments? But kids, you know, when I did my interviewing of kids for the book years and years ago, the things they wanted most from their folks is, you know, is just show them. You know, don't tell them, show them, right? So my bed isn't made, don't have your kid make their bed. So if I'm struggling with something, I, they'll, they'll learn as much from us if we say, I just, here's what I think we need to be doing with this tough situation, and here's a decision your mother and I, your father and I are going to make. I know you're not okay with it, but we love you, we're for you, we want to hear your perspective. You know, again, we're, we're creating a dialogue, we're creating interactions, not interrogations. Good. I'm going to call you up because um, <laughs> next time we run into one of those situations, those are good words. Hey, tell me about your practice. Sure. I'm in Edina off of uh, Highway 194, and I see individuals, couples, families. Uh, ToddMullican.com has got all the stuff on there, but I, I see a lot of couples, but I see individuals with anxiety, depressive disorders, and uh, bipolar disorder. So I work uh, a lot with couples. Uh, my The books I've written are more about how to bring out the best in each other, uh, how to the recent one is called being right versus being liked. So sometimes people in the couple, you know, one of the two just wants to be right, the other person just wants to be liked. How do we thread that needle of truth and grace? So that's a little bit about what I do. Hey, thanks for being here. It's really good to see you. Thanks, Paul. All right, that's Todd Mulliken. And hey, this is what we do. We tell stories. We talk about these difficult issues because we know 
that Jesus is there always. And if you're struggling today, if, if you're having a hard time with your parenting, if you're having a hard time in your marriage, if you're lonely, if you're isolated, if you're angry, listen, Jesus still loves you, and he has not thrown you away. And Todd quoted some, some good scripture from James. And remember, God has promised to never forsake you. He has told us that he stands behind us. And whether you turn to the right or to the left, we are just to listen to that voice, and he will direct us. And that's what we do here, and we thank our partners, MyFaithRadio.com. They've been great to us. You can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And they've got some really good tools for you as well there to help your church understand how to move through trauma. And then we produce this podcast here at Ridgewood Church. If you're interested in, in giving and helping us to support this podcast, you can get information at MyRWC.org. Slash give. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll catch you next time on Life Support. This is Steve Johnson again, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, and we've had the privilege of creating the Life Support series and the Life Support Resource Library. The library includes tools and resources that can help you be equipped to come alongside others who are suffering and in pain. Among the tools are therapist webinars sermon starters and transitions, short videos, small group material, and conferences. And you can find out more at this address, www.lifesupportresources.org. And again, that's lifesupportresources.org. And we'd love to introduce you to the material. This Life Support Program is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support